Imagine, imagine a member of a large household, or imagine a member of a village. The head of the household, the head of the village, is a good person, knows everyone, speaks to everyone, cares about everyone. He, or make it she, she sends the servant to go and get the rent that is due. Money, money that's needed for the village and for the upkeep of property. The servant goes, he is not only turned away, he is beaten. He is beaten as a warning for others to stay away. The servant returns to the village. He is welcomed back and he tells what has happened. Imagine the second servant who is next asked to go to collect the rent. Imagine her thinking, what should I expect? What can I say? She goes, the fence, the moat, the watchtower. She still goes. She appeals to the people. The rent is needed. They can continue to prosper. Not only is she insulted, she is badly beaten. The second messenger returns to the village. She tells what has happened and describes what can now only be described as a fortress. She too is welcomed back. Next, imagine then when a third person is called and is told to go to the fortress to collect the rent. What is the head of the village thinking? Why not send in an army? What can I possibly do? And still, he goes, and he is murdered. By now, you would expect that the villagers would be bewildered. And we who overhear the story should be bewildered also. If you have a problem, it's got to be solved. Bring in the army. So, we wait. More villagers are sent. Some are beaten, some are killed. It happens again and again. If that wasn't enough, the head of the village sends her son. He is killed. Nothing changes. Next, the army is sent in. The tenants are killed. The property is rented out again. If we stop and slowly listen to the sacrifice of the innocent messengers, if we imagine these messengers being called to go to their likely slaughter, I would think we might say, send in the army. Look for better tenants. Get our rent, pay the troops, keep them on the ready. When this is in our heart, if not our minds, Mark's telling of the parable of the wicked tenant should be a shock. It's not an allegory, it is a parable. The stone, or given the wordplay and the associations, the boy that the builders rejected, 
The son of the owner has gone to the slaughter and has become the cornerstone. Shock. Theologies have sought explanations, but first we should be bewildered. Associations don't give answers, but stop us from making mistaken connections. Vineyard, Israel. Tower, sanctuary. Wine, wine vat, altar. Well, we don't have the close associations that Mark's listeners, readers would have had. What else can this parable be about but the fall of Israel after prophet upon prophet have called for change, reform, to a new and holy life, and then have been ignored, denied, cast out. What else can this parable be about but the temple worship and the fall of the temple in 70 AD? God is not tied to the temple, to priestly rites. God calls for something else, something less and something more. In this, we may think we know what's revealed, but via negativa bewilders. It's not this, it's not that. It's not what you thought, and it's not what you think. Via negativa cuts off wrong turns, but doesn't create a final answer. The train of innocent messengers led to the slaughter keep coming. They keep us from turning our heads from suffering. How can we believe that there is a war to end all wars? How can we believe in the perfection of humanity? How could we believe in a world of order that is peace and prosperity? Where is God when we are in a train of violence? Where is life in God when we live among greed and corruption, warring powers, failed states? As Augustine would have it some 300 years later, there is no end to the rise and fall of empires. There is no end to failed states. There is no end to refugees and immigrants. Life of God, our saving life, our life in God is of another order. God's order, life in God, isn't apart from creation, but can only be known and lived in the midst of failed states and falling states. We are caught in time. More, we might, we might say, we are blessed in our lives in time. And we know God only in the midst of a fallen world. We know God only in crises that break us open and call us to respond. We may say, life in God is a life of thanksgiving. It's a life of reverence, a quietness within that listens, a listening that hears, an embrace that cares. But those truths, and they are truth, those truths are platitudes apart from awareness that the world is fallen, 
failed states, train of suffering, and no escape to a separate heavenly city. Our gospel for the morning is truly good news. It comes at the conclusion of this season of epiphany, and it turns us to Lent to hear God's voice. In Lent, we speak of purgation, of emptying ourselves, emptying ourselves of our conceits, those mistaken ideas that we have, of emptying ourselves of our misplaced desires, so we will be open to God. And the first of our conceits, the first of our presumptions, is that the gospel is a call to be on God's side in the work of building and finally realizing the kingdom. Our first conceit is that we are simply building the kingdom. The kingdom breaks in and calls us, it's already, even as it is not yet. We are empty of such conceits. We live in praise and we live in grace only when we remember with compassion to share in suffering, to know the suffering that simply is. When we listen with compassion. Only only then are we able to hear what is happening in the world where we are. That way we can walk with compassion. And we could stand together as we give voice to what is right. The gospel, the gospel begins first with disorientation. That's judgment, if you will. We are disoriented to listen in the midst of the fall. Broken open, we are reoriented apart from seeking to solve or to absolve. Then we may hear the voice of God. And it may be especially true at this time and in this place, in this time in our own history, for illusions have been strong. On the other hand, this is the truth of every time and of every place. Mark concludes his gospel with the words of the young man in white standing at the empty tomb. And it's the summation here of the parable. Go into the wilderness, go into Galilee, where you will see the risen Lord. Amen.